In space, there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past. They have gone dark and cold, their signal faint to us. All players were once forced to play alone. But these games are not forgotten, they remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This is Retroland. Welcome to Retrolave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what made these games special. This week's feature is Conflict Free Space by Volition, published by Interplay. Descent Free Space The Great War is a 1998 space combat simulation available on the PC. It was published by Interplay and made by Volition Incorporated. It was also known as Conflict Free Space The Great War in Europe. In 2001, it was ported across to the Amiga platform as Free Space The Great War. The story places the player in the role of a human pilot in the Galactic Terran Alliance, the GTA, as it engages in a war with the alien parliamentary Vesudan Empire. This war is interrupted by the appearance of the enigmatic and militant Shivans, who begin slaughtering Terrans and Vesudans alike. Putting aside their differences, the Terrans and Vesudans form an alliance, and the player is assigned to missions to stop the Shivans' genocidal advance. The player pilots a starfighter and alongside competent AI wingmen completes these missions to determine the fate of the two races. Important battles in the story feature capital ships which dwarf the fighter piloted by the players. And explosions are spectacular on their destruction. Okay, well, joining me on the call this evening, we have got Ben Moss Woodward. You want me to say hi then? We have Simon Winard. Hello. James Vigor, not Vigor. Hello. Grant Wolcott. Hello. Martin Forrester, my brother. Greetings, my brother. And finally, Rory Scarlett. Hello, good evening. Good evening, guys. Right, well, before we get into it, I've certainly played Free Space before. It's one of the games that I'm really passionate about and one of the games that immediately sprung to mind when I was thinking about getting the retro lathe show together. Who else on the call has actually played it? Simon, I think you've played it before, haven't you? Yeah, I played it constantly for about a year. It was one of those games that was out at that time. It was superb as far as I can remember it. It just lent itself to me completely. It was just one of those games I got really, really into. Great stuff. Well, I mean, it came out in 1998, which puts it at sort of the end of my sixth form, beginning of my university days. So it's definitely one of the games that I invested far too much time on. Um, anybody else in the call played the game before? Okay, well, that wall of silence suggests no, nobody's played it before. Well, Simon, what's your memories of the game? What were the things that sort of stick out from your memory as being the great points about the game? Well, I remember it being one... The graphics were the first thing that really stuck out to me. You've got to compare it to games like Frontier without the time, and the graphics were far superior to what Frontier had. They had lots of innovative things in it. You know, you could match the speed with your opponent, for example. You could send power to the lasers. You could target the systems rather than just shooting and blowing up ships. You could take out the engines or the various other parts of the ship. And also, the capital ships in them were huge, and you felt like you were in a proper war in space when you were fighting them, because you had fighters coming out, you had the big capital ships. 
and he got really immersed within the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that just mirrors what I remember as well. Certainly, I know we talked about it on X-Wing in the show last week in terms of the whole power management and shield management aspect of the game. But for me, the game that did that really well was Conflict Free Space. The fact that you could quite easily shift your shield power around, put more firepower into your lasers, depending on what position you find yourself in. So if you're in a dogfight and you know you've got an enemy on your tail, you can see that your shield's starting to take a pammering behind you. So you can actually sort of rejig your shield management and put all of your energy into your rear shields instead of your forward shields. Whereas, contrary to that, if you were attacking one of those big capital ships, like you said, you know, you've already taken out all the fighter escorts for that capital ship. So it's literally just the defences of the capital ship where they have anti-starfighter defences, so sort of flat guns. And you're going towards it, waiting to drop a torpedo. And you literally, you can drop all your side shields, all of your back shields, and just pump everything into your forward shield and pray that it holds in enough time for you to actually be able to get your torpedo away and you know, blow up the capital ship. And as you said, the explosions of those capital ships when they do go are just superb. At least they were in my memory. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to look like now. Hopefully it stays true. I mean, this is this is the most recent game that we've done on RetroLave so far, 1998. There had been advances in graphics cards and stuff like that, so I'm hoping that we see a, you know, a slight improvement to what we saw on Wing Commander and X-Wing. Okay, without any further ado, let's go and boot up the game. He's a bit needy, isn't he? <laughs> that sounds like me when I play Elite Dangerous. <laughs> Welcome to phase one of your basic training. Your instructor will walk you through multiple flight controls and HUD gauges. Yeah, see, I, the things I like about this game is the fact that if you join your two lasers together, uh, you get more of a punch, but the slower fire rate of fire, it just seems to make sense. Two lasers just absolutely cripple well, you want me to press space bar now whilst the drones are dead? That's quite funky. Which bit? So you can target the subsystems. Yeah. That's nothing they really do need to put in a dual I thought it was just, you know, you need to know where the cargo bay is to shoot it. I didn't think nope. you could actually target the individual parts. If you have a look at bottom left, you'll see what percentage they go down by. Press S. What did that do? moves you with different oh, subsystems. Yeah. I'll... Welcome to the final phase of basic training. Ah, oh, primary objective failed. One of them jumped out before I could... Uh... Yeah! Bastards! I'll happily try this in multiplayer. Stop jumping out, you cowardly wee buggers. I think I didn't manage to get one of them. I've got a few, but the... they keep jumping out before I get the chance to kill them off. How would you like me now? <laughs> you are unable to destroy. <laughs> Replay it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I've got to replay it. Crap. Hi, I got him just as he was dying to jump. I think I've got them all. Alright. Replay. Here we go again. You got them all, that's good. You're unable to destroy all the zones. Awesome. You destroyed all ten drones. Congratulations, I got my badge. Wing pilots. Hey. Well done. There have been many rumors about the appearance of another sentient species. These are rumors, nothing more. Guys, also, just mm -hmm. a, a little thing that I 
had forgotten about. When you look at your target, if your target has a little circle on it, it means that your wingman or other wingman have also targeting it. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you can see three or four little circles on it. I got one kill out of all those people. <laughs> My wingman's amazing. Oh, something oh, just hit something me. Something hit me. Something's firing at me. I've got something on my sticks. Stop being a wuss. I'm not used to getting hit. They came from behind. <laughs> Take it like a target. <laughs> oh. That's not your line. Die, die. You're dead oh, they're now. all dead. Pretty sure I my wingman's doing all the work. I've, I've destroyed all the Virgo, all the cancer in the Aries. That's three out of the 12 Starfire Kronen. You did a fine job on your first watch, pilot. Your strong sense of duty will serve the Alliance well. Okay, so we've been playing the game now for the best part of uh, an hour and 35 minutes, and I have to say that's been the most fun gaming session we've had so far on RetroLave. I think it's safe to say that we all pretty much sucked, and if it wasn't for our wingman, we probably would have failed most of the missions that we were taking part in. But let's go around the team and see what people thought of it. Ben, you start us off. What did you think? I think that was really good fun. Far more fun, I think, playing than Wing Commander the other week. A lot more in-depth. I loved the, the changing of your weapon modes, whether you wanted your single guns or your double guns and things like that. Got to remember to use my missiles more. Couldn't find a way to target the asteroids, but we could destroy them. I was just getting really quite into it. Excellent. Simon, was it as good as you remembered? Yes, it was. I, I was really getting into the game at one point, you know. My hit ratio has probably gone down over the years. I was really enjoying it. The graphics seem to have held up really well as well. They weren't bad to look at at all. They were quite nice on the eye. That's definitely true. I mean, one of the things that both Wing Commander and X-Wing, the, the graphics on both those games did sort of take you out of the experience somewhat. But I don't think that came across at all with this game. I think everybody was much more focused on the arcade, the action, the mission, and you know, the pew-pew element as opposed to any of the graphical limitations. James, what did you reckon, sir? Definitely the best game we've played so far on RetroLave, I think. Graphics, by far, trump Wing Commander and X-Wing. Generally, it was actually a really good game, and I can't wait to try multiplayer and see how I hold up against anyone I play that against, whether it's you guys or whether I manage to convince anyone else to buy the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably a safe bet that everybody that was playing tonight will probably continue and do a few more missions on this game, whereas I don't think anybody has gone back to Wing Commander or X-Wing. Grant, what do you reckon? Are you going to pick it back up again after tonight? I'm not sure, actually. It was definitely much better than the rest. I did notice one thing, though. It still had the same old menu screens where you had the, the hangar doors to click on. Obviously, at this stage, they hadn't come up with something new for the main menu. Other than that, no, the game was slick, smooth. You felt like you were flying. It was very in-depth and immersive. Um, certainly when it comes to feeling better, one of the things that, I can't remember which one of you guys it was that pointed it out, but the fact that the ships don't just come to a stop, there was a, you know, a sense of inertia, and the ships came to a gliding stop as opposed to just coming to an abrupt stop. You know, it's these little aspects that just sort of give the game just that little bit more realism, a little bit more immersiveness. Martin, you haven't played one of these things since, what, Wing Commander 4 on the consoles? How was your first outing on a PC space sim? You know what, I would have thoroughly enjoyed that if I could have got the gamepad to work. Unfortunately, on a laptop, frantically pouring at the mousepad just didn't <laughs> quite work for me. But still thoroughly enjoyed the game. Loved the fighting engine, but I really seriously hate my wingmen. They're far too good at their job. I didn't even get the <laughs> chance to target most of the people before they were dead. So this war's going to be won within a couple of weeks, but if the wingmen are anything to go by. 
Yeah, absolutely. If my memory serves me from when I played this game originally, what you need to do is you need to wait until you get onto some later missions. And then your wingmen do exactly the same thing. They go off health the leather, engage the enemy straight in. Then they get themselves blown up and you're basically left on your own to try and defeat something like a, a 10 against 1 situation. And that's when the game really sort of gets quite challenging. Rory, what did you think of it? I really liked it, actually. I was amazed how smooth it was compared to Wing Commander, which was pretty awful, really, I thought. But compared to that one, I mean, the gameplay, it felt a lot more like a simulator than an arcade game, if that makes sense. But the downside to that is that there were far too many keys to keep track of. I thought the gameplay was really smooth, which I was very impressed with. The graphics were excellent, bearing in mind it's 15 years old. But the fact that there were so many keys with all this and control that, I thought that was quite difficult. If you'd been playing it for a day or two, that would probably become second nature. Um, I thought it was really great. Great stuff. Yeah, I mean, what you say about the keys, I mean, the keys were absolutely ridiculous. And if you have a look at the reference card, you know, there's keys all over the place for all sorts of things. And then they take it to the extra level. And then, as you say, there's shift this and there's alt that and control this. But in realistic terms, you find there's probably around about 10 keys that you use on a regular basis. I mean, one of the things that this game's definitely got going for it on a modern joypad, like the PS3 joypad or the, you know, the Xbox controller, you know, there's actually a shed load of missions. I mean, just look at my controller now. 18 possible buttons that with this game you can actually map those uh, key configurations to the joypad things like you know targeting the next hostile ship changing your weapons doing your shield management all that sort of stuff and once you get into it and once you know what keys you use on a regular basis you can actually map that to the joypad so everything's sort of in your hand and you very rarely have to go back to the keyboard once you know what you're doing for the first night i think we're all there i'm very very grateful for the tutorial told us exactly what buttons we needed to press for exactly what outcome great stuff you did a fine job on your first watch, pilot. Your strong sense of duty will serve the Alliance well. We didn't really get into the story very much. Obviously, we got the impression from the intro what was supposed to happen, but we spent a lot of time tonight doing the tutorial missions, so everybody got a hang of it. And then we did the early missions against the Vasudans, so we never actually saw any of the Sheevan ships, which are supposed to come in later down the line. What did people think about the way that the story was presented, you know, obviously from the intro, but also through the, you know, the mission briefings and stuff like that? Uh, I'm going to throw this one straight over to Grant. I think without the cutscenes, well, I'm not sure if it does use cutscenes because we had a couple of missions in and there didn't seem to be any. I could see that being slightly negative for building up the immersion, but the, the briefings were quite thorough, quite easy to read, and with the voice reading them out to you yeah i can understand that they could build some kind of excitement i definitely think there was a feeling generated that your actions were important and that if you didn't complete the missions that that it would be some kind of consequence it had that kind of feel of danger yeah ben what did you reckon i really loved the emotion of the game i was starting to sort of pay attention to the story and things like that so yeah very very basically i can just echo what grant was saying okay cool simon you probably completed this game, I'm guessing, considering that you were quite passionate about it. Uh, maybe you can give us some insight on how that story actually progresses. Yeah, well, I you know like say we played the very early missions of the game, and as far as I mentioned before, it does get a lot harder. Your wingmen do tend to be very kamikaze-like in their structure. They go raging in, themselves kills. 
know, when you get into the later missions, especially when you can choose your own ships, you've really got to concentrate on the configuration of your ship because you might fail. You, you probably will fail the mission several times because you've not set the ship up completely right. And it's becoming a really important issue how many missiles you put on, what type of missile, what type of lasers you put on. And then later on, when you get into the capital ships area, you know, you've got to make sure you manage your shields right, your engines right, where you're going to put all your energies into, essentially. The story evolved quite well, actually, over a period of time. I mean, it becomes very immersive to the extent that at the start of these missions right now, you're getting a few waves of these little fighters, and it doesn't feel like much. I've been trying to remember how many missions you are. I know way into the game, you'll be facing missions of waves and waves of, of fighters. One of the downsides to the game I've always thought, though, was they, they tend to come in groups of threes and fours and fives, and I think that was down to the limitations of your computer at that day. You know, the, you couldn't get these waves of 32 chip in a thing, but the way it presented itself that they all just kept coming at you made it feel like you were in a big war. Yep, certainly, and that's something I think they improved on with the sequel game, Free Space 2. There definitely seemed to be a little bit more uh, action in terms of how many ships you had on screen at any one time. I mean, talking about you know, the way the story develops, and obviously you've got the, the cut scene in terms of the beginning, but also you know, the debriefing and stuff. And if memory serves me correctly, and you know, Simon, pick me up here if I'm wrong, but you actually get quite a lot of stuff happening in-game. So you'll have big ships and stuff jumping in, and it'll be your wingmen who will actually talk to you over the comm channel and give you a little bit of sort of expose about what exactly is going on, which I thought actually worked really well in terms of an immersive nature. And you get quite a lot of sort of chat about how command are keeping things from us and, you know, what the hell are we doing sat out here and a bit of dissension from your wingmen and stuff, which really sort of made you feel that you were part of a, of a real universe. Ben? I was just wondering what Simon or anyone think about how we all had to replay a couple of the missions there. And obviously in Elite Dangerous, it's going to be a persistent universe. So your option to replay your missions that you've just done is not going to exist. But do you think it's breaking the fourth wall by try, try, try again? Or do you think it actually for the better, allowing you to keep on trying it regardless of the consequences? I think in this game in particular, it works. It works in the sense that you fail the mission, but you don't lose the immersiveness because you feel like, all right, we failed this mission, we've got to return to base, get more supplies and go back out there, rather than, oh, I've just failed, I've got to reload my game kind of thing. So it always worked that way around, and you kind of made you think about what you were going to do differently next time. Whereas I don't think that works well in Elite because you die and then you're not going to change your ships as much. You're just going to do the same mission as it is and then just try not to die kind of thing. Yeah, good point. Um, Martin, what's your thoughts on the story? I mean, obviously you didn't get that much exposure to it, but how do you think it would unfold? I did like the story and, you know, I'm, I'm far more likely to play a game like this than I am something like Elite, if I'm completely honest, because it does take me down the route. It does tell me where I need to go and I get the immersion of the storyline, whereas I just don't have the imagination to be playing the Elite and trying to work this out myself. So I did enjoy the storyline. I did enjoy the fact that it kept me going. And from what Simon said, I am looking forward to playing a few more missions into this, getting more in depth into it. But I will be making sure I have that controller set up because, as I say, it's just the controls and constantly looking for the different keys. If I can get it set up with the PlayStation 3 controller, then I'm going to enjoy this game a lot more. Cool. Okay, well, 
what did people reckon to the you know, the sound and the music? I must admit, I foolishly turned the music down so I could listen to you guys jibber-jabber, so I didn't actually pick up much of the in-game music, but I did think that the, the sound effects in terms of the all-important pew-pew from the lasers was very satisfying. There was a nice satisfying crunch as you went colliding into your wingmen or asteroids. Um, I thought the, you know, the sound effects, and especially with the explosions of the ships, worked very, very well. Grant, what was your thoughts on it? On the sound effects, I think the in-game music was not distracting at all. It was very subtle and in the background. Pew pews, yep, well happy with those. You even got a little missile sound as you launched your missiles. And I think the in-game radio chatter was very helpful with immersion and just making you think that you were part of something. Yeah, I think it was much better than any game today. Okay, Rory. Um, yeah, I thought the sound was really good, and I think one of the telling things about things like sound and music in a game is I wasn't getting fed up with it. It actually felt like they were the sounds that should be in the game, and I wasn't constantly thinking, I'll, I'll turn that off, like in Wing Commander, where the music was just awful. I actually felt that it was atmospheric, and the game was benefiting from the sounds very much so, and the music was very good as well. So no, I've not got a bad thing to say about the sound and the music. It was very good. Okay, whereas you do seem to have quite a lot of hate going on. I'm feeling you're a bit of a hater for the old Wing Commander, Rory. I know you didn't join us for X-Wing last week, but for someone that loves Wing Commander, it's very difficult to listen to you go on and on and on and on and on about how much you didn't like Wing Commander. Oh, I do apologise, but I never played it, so I'm looking at it sort of 20 years ago. I've got a bit of a jaundiced view, I suppose. I did enjoy playing the game. It's just old, isn't it? It's just old, isn't it? Bouncing straight onto something that's not old. James! Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, sounds were quite obviously not anywhere near as plinky-plonky, as Grant puts it, as something like X-Wing and Wing Commander. Definite improvement in terms of the sound quality. And there was one thing that was quite subtle, but I think it was quite important as well, which was when you were issuing orders to your wingmen, you had different messages coming up, so it wasn't just... You know, if you told them to go away, they wouldn't just say, OK, I'm off. And they would always say that exact same message. Some of them would say, yeah, I'm opening a hyperspace rift thing. That was a subtle thing, but it really helped the immersion. And the fact that they were all voice acted as well. Yeah, it, it was all very immersive. And having them all pop up on your screen, it felt like you were in the cockpit and it felt like you had a real spaceship HUD. It all just really helped with the immersion and it's all just been really good. Yeah, I must admit, the head-up display, I think, in this one, they got it really right. Everything that you needed to see was there in front of you. It was very obvious which was your ship and your shields and you know your current target. The interface worked really well in being able to give you the information that you needed at hand so you knew exactly what you were targeting, you knew exactly what the state of their shields and their hull was. And also, you know, we've mentioned it briefly, just the ease at which you could target the subsystems. You could go to you know, a less destructive weapon just to take down the subsystems without destroying the rest of the ship. I thought worked really, really well. Okay, we'll go to Ben. One thing which I noticed about the sound effects, I wind up not crashing into my wingman once, flew past him, and I think I noticed quite a nice little Doppler effect as we went past each other. Yeah, you get engine wash, and you find that in later missions, if you're flying behind a big capital ship, your whole cockpit and the whole ship will actually shake and rattle. And, you know, a little message says engine wash as you come up against it, and that can actually cause damage to your ship. Cool. Okay, well, we've obviously touched a little bit on how it relates to Elite. Do we think there's any sort of obvious influences here, or, you know, what does this game do that we would like to see done to Elite? And, you know, is there anything in there that we definitely don't want to see in the new game? Uh, I'm going to throw this one straight over to Grant. 
I think, like when we were looking at Wing Commander, this again is a, a very much a military-based, mission-based game. So, uh, other than if uh, Elite wanted to create uh, some kind of tier of carrier-issued um, combat missions that are specifically of a sort of military version, then I don't see that the mission briefings or anything really has much relevance but the key things are if they can make it play like that played and have that sense of inertia when you're coming to a stop then i think they're on the right track if they can get that element of smoothness in in ship perfect great stuff simon uh yeah i think there's a lot of things in there that were in elite frontier and a 13 counters there was you know but i think the way that the game is structured in the military setting could be quite an interesting thing for Elite because you could go into, say, a military area in the Elite Dangerous Universe and have that sort of briefing that came up, what they expect to see, you know, what's going to be there. And I think if you could do something like that, rather than just have a little scroll on the screen that was like the ad in Frontier, which just said, somebody needs to be moving in this system, go and find them. Whereas you actually have a more emotional thing of saying, this is your mission briefing kind of thing. I think that would work quite well. The other thing I really hope they put in from the game is the match speed thing. Because if you had a ship that was slightly faster than the speed you could match, you could get away. I think what I'd prefer (laughs) rather than matching speed would be a match inertia. So that when they do go off and fly towards you, you're flying backwards effectively. I was just thinking, though, about what you're saying about the storyline-based missions. I'm just looking at the pledge levels of the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter page. And, you know, there is the £32 or more one where you start off as an Imperial Bounty Hunter. That, to me, potentially at least, could scream story-based campaign. You know, straight out of the game, you've got a nice little fighter, a few weapons, shields, 1,000 credits... Presumably you're in a deep and imperial system. The imperials love you and they want to give you bounties. And that's potentially a lot of very good storyline missions there if they want to go down that route. But I don't think we've heard anything like if they're thinking about it or not. No, the mission things and certainly for the bounty hunt and stuff are still being thrown around from the DDF at the moment. Uh, Grant? Yes, I was just going to come in on that point. I agree with Ben, actually. I think that kind of mission-based storytelling um, setting would be fantastic for the likes of Bounty Hunters and, in fact, for all of the particular uh, career paths. However, where I feel strongly about these things is if Ben takes on the mission to kill off person X and then I take a mission to kill off that same person and we can both kill off the same person, that person's died twice, that's not right. And I'd hate to see hundreds of forums sharing if you're doing this particular mission in Elite Dangerous, then this is where you'll find them and this is what you can do and this is how you should use your ship. And I think that would be unfortunate. I think that'd be a missed opportunity. But I know in the DDF right now they are discussing mission types and suggestions for criminal missions. And I know that even there I've been quite vocal in that I like to see reactive missions and adaptive missions and counter missions so that you can have Ben taking a bounty on somebody and off he goes hunting him down and then I've taken a protection mission for that particular character and then that pits Ben and myself directly in competition and I think that's where I'd like to see the missions going in elite rather than everybody doing the same story base. Interesting stuff. Martin? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting point put across by Grant. Um, and that, that's one of the things that puts me off the game. And this is going to be quite controversial. But as I said before, I do like the fact that I can just 
go along play the missions what grant's put in there is you know that these missions are going to come out it's going to be a mad rush to get the person killed i just don't have the the time to play the game or pay attention to the game that closely so these missions that are coming up i'm not necessarily going to have the chance to carry out these missions before someone like simon or viror um, has got there and killed them before i have the chance to if there's an aspect of the game which allows me to go to the military station and get the missions that i can take as a story then i'm more likely to play the game but that's just the way i approach the game playing if you see what i mean i have to take the half hours i get when i can because i have this family but you make a good point. I mean, and this is the balancing act that frontier developments are going to have to do. Obviously, there's a lot of us who would quite like to have as big and immersive and interactive a universe as we can possibly have. But we've mentioned it in the past as well. You know, sometimes you just have to build the game around what time the players have to play the game. So, you know, sometimes you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to do you know, the sort of instance that Grant's talking about where you can set up a sort of a scripted mission that's going to take, you know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours to see it to its fruition. You know, other nights, you know, you're only going to have sort of half an hour. So why not do sort of a milk run mission, you know, handed out a nice courier mission, something like that, that you can pick up from the local naval base and, you know, just do something to enhance your reputation or make a little bit of money. OK, James. Yeah, I was going to say something other than missions and that uh, one of the uh, combat mechanics in this game was that you could target the subsystems on the ships. And I thought that was really interesting. And I know they've already said you'll be able to target things like the cargo hold, because they had that video where, was it the Cobras were blowing open the cargo holds in the Anacondas? And because I'm not sure how they were planning on doing that, whether you would actually target the cargo hold using some kind of mechanic or whether you would have to actually know where it is and aim for it. Whatever they plan to do, I think that's something they should definitely consider having because that really added a lot of tactics to the gameplay. And I've played a game that has a similar mechanic called FTL, where basically you can just see all the different systems on a ship and you could target them and take them out. So it would allow you to take out their weapons, for instance, and they've got to get them back online so that they can actually try and take you out, or you could take out their engines so they can't escape. And that's a really cool mechanic, I think, and it would definitely have a home in Elite. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, I mean, especially if you're thinking of you know what we discussed on the main show in terms of the way that pirating is going to work. The job of a pirate in Elite Dangerous is not to destroy ships, because obviously if you destroy ships, you're also destroying a certain amount of booty that you want to be stealing. So as a pirate, you want to be able to cause a minimum amount of damage to a ship as you possibly can and just take that cargo from the cargo bay. The subsystems targeting is a great idea, which hopefully we'll see in Elite Dangerous. Right, anybody got anything final that they want to add before we wrap this up? Yeah, all I was going to say uh, a minute ago is what Grant was saying. I like the idea of being able to do counter missions. So if, say, for Grant took a mission to kill James, I could then take a mission to protect James. As soon as he took that mission, that other mission would become available. And it's just an idea that I've always had, really, that as soon as someone takes a mission, there's always somebody going to say, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Ben? Should they be flagged as PvP missions? Or should they just come straight up saying, you've got an escort to do and you're not mentioning that you're actually going to be flying up against people trying to kill your protectee? It's a good question. I'm assuming you're directing that to the people that, you know, don't really want to engage in the whole PvP aspect of the game. A little Um, bit controversial. Well, I don't know if it's controversial or not, because you know, I think it would be nice to be able to say that people were happy to play it regardless of whether or not they knew it was an NPC or a real-life player at the other end of it. I think for the universe to work, it'd be lovely to have that sort of synchronicity when it just sort of blurred in together in a perfect sort of mirror. James? 
I'm going to be a bit of an advocate for PvP because that's one of the things I really like in a game. But I don't think it would really matter in this kind of mission because there have been talks before, and I think this was on Lave Radio actually, where you're basically trying to design the game so that the players and the NPCs don't come across as massively different. So while players would always be ejecting in their escape pods when their ship's destroyed, the NPCs probably will be most of the time as well. Okay. I think I agree with what James is saying in that in an ideal world, it shouldn't matter whether I'm flying against an NPC or whether I'm flying against another player. They should be of a similar skill set. It shouldn't matter. But we all know that people will get the knickers in a twist knowing that there is a real life human at the other end rather than some AI. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the interesting point, I think, to stop people panicking is the fact that we're obviously going to go through the alpha and the beta with this as well, where we'll be coming across both the the NPCs and obviously uh, fellow players. So if it's ridiculously obvious one way or the other, then maybe it's something that they can actually tweak before it gets released. Martin, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a guy who's not that keen on playing online. I seem to be in the minority. I don't have a massive group of friends who play online. The gaming I take part in is just myself and the console. So it's not something that really interests me. As I've said a couple of times, just interested in playing the game by myself. So from my point of view, if Elite gives me the offline opportunities to do a number of things, almost like a Grand Theft Auto in space, if you like, then I might be interested. If it takes me to make the leaps, then that's what's keeping me away from Elite right now. Okay. Well, I think we'll have to do our final bit and go around the old uh, ratings. We'll start off with you, Ben, for the evening's entertainment tonight. What would you give it out of 10? I'd definitely give it a high 7, 8. It was a good, fun game. Probably going to go back to it. Great stuff, Grant. I think I'm about a 7, 8 as well. Good scores. Simon? Yeah, it's definitely a 7 or 8. I think nostalgia-wise, though, my brain stays to 9 or 10 because I remember the later missions. <laughs> but uh, just on tonight's gameplay, I'd say about 7 or 8. Okay. Martin? My experience tonight, I'd have to rate it as a 6 just because the controller. But provisionally, if I can get the gamepad up and running, yeah, definitely a 7 or an 8. And I'd probably play it through a wee bit more. Great stuff. James? i got to agree with everything that's said here. i got to, I got to put it at a fairly high 7. Good scores all round. Rory, finally? Yeah, I'm going to be very unoriginal and give it a, a good good seven or eight. Um, I'll definitely have another go at it, I think, and see how far I can get. It all bodes quite well for the fact that this game actually has a sequel as well, which we'll probably visit somewhere down the line if you guys are, are that enthusiastic about it. Uh, I fall into the same category as Simon. I know how the game unfolds and I know what sort of storyline comes a little bit later, so... Yeah, if it was purely from nostalgia, this is a game that, for me, sits around about a nine. But uh, on <laughs> on the basis of tonight, yeah, seven and a half, eight out of ten, I think, is uh, is what I'll give it. So that's it for this evening. All that's left for me to do is thank Ben, Grant, Simon, Martin, James and Rory. I uh, hope you enjoyed the journey back in time. If you'd like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on Monday nights at 8.30pm on Skype if you add lave.radio to your Skype list or and follow us on Facebook. And if you follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest updates. Until next time, it's game over.
call recording. So, yep, switching it off and switching it on again. Huzzah. Absolutely worked <laughs> <a> joy. <laughs> <laughs> a meaty donut. That's the best description so, so far. invented by a four-far baker in the 1850s, and they may refer to pies frequent present on wedding menus. Wedding menus? Ooh. What are you guys playing at? It's what you stuff under your sporn. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's what the hole's for. <laughs> A real Scotsman uses one straight out the microwave. <laughs> What's this, the sadomasochist version of American Pie? <laughs> James uh, Viagra. Um... <laughs> it's a Vigo. Oh. <laughs> what year was it, 1998? 1998, 1998 yeah. yeah. So this is the first one I was actually alive for. <laughs> Shut up, James. <laughs> <laughs> You're not winning any friends with that sort of remark. <laughs> and, oh, balls, a moth just flew into my room. Hello. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to do something about that in a minute. Oh, he's a big one. Hold on, just a moment. PVM, yeah. Player versus moth. Any of you guys ever do sort of laser quest games when they were, you know, around? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. I had much the same stats in that with, you know, thousands upon thousands of shots oh. and zero hits. I remember we had a great one that had Alien versus Predator kind of things as well. So, you know, you basically had one guy wearing a suit and we all had guns. And if, But if he touched you, then you were out. Administrators, do you, do you need to talk to somebody about this? <laughs> <laughs> Where did he touch you? <laughs> Can you show us on this doll? <laughs> on this alien doll.